Yo, 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 good evening and happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to episode 113 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. I decided to come to you a day early, so I'm going to call this episode Football Recap and What's Next Mondays, along with my UFC 270 recap, as I'll do a recap on all the divisional round games this past weekend, which one could argue was the best set of football playoff games ever. And I'll give you what I believe is next for the teams that were eliminated, what they need to do moving forward to get back in the playoffs and go further. Then I will close with UFC 270, Nagano versus Gain, and I'll give you a recap and my takeaways from that event coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right, now without further ado, let's just get right into it. You know where I'm going to start my opening takes, so you don't have to ask. Before I get into the NFL playoff divisional round weekend, I just want to say that the divisional round weekend should have been called Super Divisional Round Weekend. Because unlike Super Wildcard Weekend, which wasn't very super due to the fact that four of the six games were blowouts, the divisional round delivered in more ways than one could ever imagine. I mean, it was phenomenal, amazing, spectacular, off the chain, dope, yo. I mean, what more can you ask for as a fan of football? Whether you're a casual NFL fan or a super advocate fan like myself. I mean, this is why the NFL is king over all sports. I mean, it gets no better than this. Hopefully that the championship Sunday will deliver just as good or even better. Or maybe the Super Bowl will deliver games like this. But if somehow it doesn't, we can say, we can look back on the divisional round weekend and say, we got our money's worth or we got our watching worth. Either way. You can tell I'm still excited. Even though it's now Monday evening. And I just can't get over what we saw. And I'm just hoping that the next couple of weeks will deliver similar or maybe even top it. Now. Let's get on to the games. Let's start with the first one. The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Tennessee Titans. The Cincinnati Bengals pulled off the upset 19-16 on a game-winning field goal by their kicker, Evan McPherson. What was neat about this game was, as soon as Joe Burrow and the offense got in position for him to kick this game-winning field goal for 52 yards, the kicker said to the backup quarterback, we're going to the AFC Championship. I mean, talk about confidence and swag. And he delivered. He was 4-4 on field goals the whole game. Now, Joe Burrow had 348 yards and one interception. But of course, 
his offensive line didn't do him no favors. He was sacked nine times by the Titans defense. Joe Mixon had 54 yards rushing and one touchdown and 51 yards receiving. Jamar Chase falling out as usual, 109 yards receiving. T. Higgins had 96 yards receiving. And C.J. Osman, Osma, I think I said that right. If not, my apologies. 71 yards receiving. Ryan Tannehill, in a losing effort, had 220 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Two of them were very costly. I mean, they were at the goal line in the third quarter. Had it first and goal. He threw a pass where it looks like it be a screen. And the defender for the Bengals just jumped in front of it and picked it off. Then he had one in the fourth quarter when it looked like the Titans were going to be the ones to go for the field goal win. And Tannehill throws an interception which was tipped by the defender and caught. Derrick Henry coming back from being out nine weeks with a foot injury that required surgery. Had only 62 yards. He had one touchdown. But Deontay Foreman had 66 yards rushing. Now you can tell Derrick Henry wasn't himself. I mean, I mean, he was getting stopped a lot in the backfield during the, during this game. I mean, there was one play on fourth and one where you figured give it to Derrick Henry and he'll just run the guy over. He got the ball, he hesitated, and was stopped for a loss. Turned the ball over on downs. But A.J. Brown balled out. He had 142 yards and one touchdown. Julio Jones had 62 yards receiving. Now for the Bengals, not only did they win their first playoff game in 31 years last week, they won their first road playoff game ever as a franchise. So... There's a lot of good things happening for the Cincinnati Bengals team going forward. And now they've punched their ticket to the AFC Championship game, which they haven't been to since 1988, which they went on to lose to my 49ers in the Super Bowl, thanks to Montana, to John Taylor. I know Cincinnati fans don't want to hear about that, but hey. Anyway, for the Titans, I mean, they wonder why nobody respected them as a number one seed. I mean, they had a, they had a good defense, finally, which I've been killing for. You finally got your horse, Derrick Henry, back. But yet, you couldn't put up no more than 16 points. But this, this loss lays at the feet of Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he threw three interceptions. Now, the first one wasn't as costly as the, as, the, as the other two. But either way, this loss lays at the feet of Ryan Tannehill. And I'll talk more and what's next on what the Titans need to do. Now let's move on to my San Francisco 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. My Niners did what most analysts didn't think they could do. They were all picking the Packers. They all was putting the Packers in the Super Bowl. 
but my Niners had other plans. Even though they didn't play a great game offensively, the defense did enough and the special teams to pull off the upset 13-10 in a cold night in the frozen tundra. The offense wasn't as efficient as they usually were, but thanks to the defense, who after the first touchdown they allowed by Green Bay, was able to hold Aaron Rodgers in check, only scoring three points the rest of the way. Now, the defense came up with one turnover, and the special teams came up with two blocks. One field goal at the end of the first half, which kept it seven to nothing. And in the fourth quarter, a block punt, which was scooped and scored, which tied the game for the Niners. And of course, the defense did its thing. Just kept holding Aaron Rodgers in check until finally Jimmy Garoppolo, who's been terrible throughout this game. He only had 131 yards and one pick. But on that last drive, he made the plays when it counted the most. Plays to George Kittle, plays to Debo Samuel. And then got Robbie Gold in position to kick the game-winning 45-yard field goal. Now other stats, Elijah Mitchell had 53 yards rushing, 18 yards receiving. George Kittle had 63 yards, should have had over 100 yards. There was one play that he dropped in the first quarter, which he would have gone all the way. So he should have had 100 yards and a touchdown, but be that as it may, he made the plays when it counted. Debo Samuel had 44 yards receiving. He had 39 yards rushing and had 45 yards on a kickoff return. The defense, which in week three, didn't touch Aaron Rodgers but once in this game. But they were able to get five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had 225 yards passing. No touchdowns, no pick. But as a team, they only had 67 yards rushing. Where was Aaron Jones at? Aaron Jones did have 129 yards receiving and Devontae Adams had 90 yards receiving. What's weird about this is these are the only two guys that did anything for the Packers. I mean, nobody else got involved in the passing game. It was just Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. So now the Niners will move on to the NFC Championship game. And the last time they were there was two years ago when he went to the Super Bowl. Now, of course, I will say this about my Niners. They have to play better offensively. Now, during the playoffs, the offense hasn't been as efficient as needed. But thanks to the defense and some timely plays, they were able to get victories. But next week, it needs to get back to being the oil, oil, oil machine that we know it to be. For the Packers, this was crushing. I mean, they were the number one seed in the NFC. And this was their chance to go to the Super Bowl. 
now we all know what the talk's gonna be and I'll talk more about that later now let's move on to the LA Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the Rams won this game 30 to 27 on a walk-off field goal by their kicker Matt Gray now at one point this game was 27 to 3 in favor of the Rams in the third quarter and it looked like the Rams was just going to go coasting but they also but they they had to be reminded that on the other side is the GOAT Tom Brady but the Rams seemed like they were going to catch a case of the Falcon Flu as I like to call it now what is the Falcon Flu? anybody who's listen to this podcast for the first time I named it the Falcon Flu because everybody remembers in the Super Bowl when the Falcons took on the Patriots they were up 28-3 and Brady brought them back and won the game for the Patriots meaning that the Falcons choked and it looked like the Rams was about to choke this game away they had four turnovers which allowed the um Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get back in this game and scored 24 unanswered points. I mean, they had two fumbles, two by Cam Akers, who's now coming back from injury, one by Cooper Cup. I mean, it was like the Rams. I, I was I was making a joke like I think the Rams were starting to get to the re, get get um, grasp the fact that they're gonna have to see the Niners again for the third time, knowing that. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay. But, luckily for them, Brady's magic fell short. But kudos to Matthew Stafford. He had 366 yards, two touchdowns, and he had a big pass play to Cooper Cup that set up a game-winning field goal. Cooper Cup had 183 yards and one touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr. had 69 yards receiving. Tyler Higby, 51 yards. Cam Akers, even though he had two fumbles, he did have 48 yards. But you also got to give the Rams' defense some credit. Even though they almost squandered a 24-point lead, when they had the, 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 the Bucks on the ropes, they were frustrating Brady. They were getting to him. They, 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 they were knocking him off his spot, getting some sacks on him. And one sack, it looked like Brady he stayed down for a bit before he finally got up. Now, Tom Brady, in his efforts, had 329 yards, one TD, one interception. Leonard Fournette, he had 51 yards rushing and two touchdowns and 56 yards receiving. Mike Evans had 119 yards and one touchdown, and Gronk had 85 yards. But you can tell the way they were um, frustrating Tom Brady, that Rams defense, that having... Their left, right, their right, right tackle, Christian um, Wharfs out, and having a second stringer, which he ended up getting hurt. I mean, they gave tr- Brady trouble. So, for the Rams now, it's round three against my 49ers, and we'll talk more about that game later this week. For Tampa Bay, we all know what the story is going to be going forward I'll talk more about that later but 
they had they got all their starters back on defense for the first time since week one. But you also gotta give um Todd Bowles some blame here. On that Cooper Cup long play that set up the field goal, I mean it was said there was some miscommunication. But still, why would you why would you rush a safety and go an all-out blitz? I mean, knowing they're going to be looking for Cooper Cup. I mean, the smart thing would have been to make sure you know Cooper Cup's going to get the ball. Put him at, put, put, a, put a safety underneath and one over the top. So Cooper Cup doesn't burn you down the field. I mean, Cooper Cup went right by the cornerback, uh, made the play that got the Rams in position. So all I can say is Brady's magic came up short. But the defense failed them at the end. Now let's move on to what I think most would agree was not only the game of divisional wildcard weekend, but maybe the greatest playoff game ever. The Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. This is one of those games especially after that, with that fourth quarter explosion where between both the teams, 28 points was scored. This is one of those games you just hate to see a loser. But somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. So the Kansas City Chiefs won the game 42-36 to in overtime on a walk-off touchdown by... Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Buffalo looked like they were going to win the game in regulation when Josh Allen threw one of his four touchdown passes to Gabriel Davis and left the Chiefs with 13 seconds. But Patrick Mahomes got the ball, made two big pass plays, one to Tyreek Hill and the other to Travis Kelsey to get them in position to kick a 49-yard field goal to send the game into overtime. And then the Chiefs won the toss and Buffalo never saw the ball. Patrick Mahomes had 378 yards and he had three touchdowns. He also rushed for 69 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 60 yards rushing. Tyreek Hill, 150 yards and one touchdown. Tyreek Hill, I mean, not Tyreek Hill, um, Travis Kelsey had 96 yards and one touchdown. Jarek McKinnon had 54 yards receiving and 24 yards rushing. And a losing effort, and you actually got a feel for Josh Allen. 329 yards, four touchdowns, 68 yards rushing. Devin Singletary only gave him 26 yards rushing. Gabriel Davis, 201 yards, four touchdown um, receptions. Cole Beasley, 60 yards. But their best receiver, Stephon Davis, only had seven yards receiving. I'll tell you. I mean, Josh Allen, even though I know this hurts, he has nothing to hold his head down about. What he did was nothing short of of spectacular but unfortunately his defense wasted 
his effort. I mean, with 13 seconds, I mean, why didn't Sean McDermott, McDermott and Leslie Frazier, I mean, you have the number one pass defense in the NFL and probably one of the top five overall defenses in the NFL, but it didn't show yesterday. With 13 seconds left, there's no way no team should be able to go down the field and get in field goal range on your defense. I mean, what they should have done was stay aggressive. You know, make those guys, you know, go down the field with 13 seconds, use timeouts. They should have been going after Patrick Mahomes, playing man-to-man against the uh, against Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Do not let these guys get open. Make Patrick Mahomes go to other guys, come up and make the tackle. So, I must say that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier cost the, cost the Buffalo Bills this game and wasted Josh Allen's best game as a pro. Now the Chiefs will be taking on the Cincinnati Bengals to see who will go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Now this will be a rematch of a game they played a couple of weeks ago where the Chiefs were up by 14 and the Cincinnati Bengals came back and won. We'll talk more about that game later. Now let's move on to the segment I call What's Next for the Eliminated Teams Going Forward? Now let's start with the Tennessee Titans. Here's what I think they need to do. I mean, they got the running back. They got a ball in A.J. Brown. But they're going to have to start reassessing Ryan Tannehill. I mean, not saying Ryan Tannehill is not a good quarterback. I mean, I mean, he revived his career when he came to Tennessee. But... I think the ceiling has been hit with him as the quarterback. You know what he is. I mean, he's good He's good some games, bad at others. But you get the number one seed, and you get bounced out of the playoffs. I mean, they, they have been going to the playoffs, I'll give you that, with him being quarterback. But he either get bounced out the, the, the divisional round, out of the wild card, so, I mean, how much further can you go with him? I mean, you finally got the defense you need. Now, of course, one other thing I think they should do, I mean, Julio Jones, we don't know how long he's going to be playing. I mean, he's up there in age. A.J. Brown's, I mean, a young stud. They're going to need to find another complimentary piece to A.J. Brown. Because as I said, I don't think we're going to see the same Julio Jones of five or six years ago. So, for Tennessee, I mean, I know it's probably going to be hard for them to move on from Tannehill because of the salary cap. But, they, they may need to call the Rams owner and figure it out. How can we move on with Tannehill? What do we need to do? Because the Rams know how to move on from somebody. Ask Jared Now, for Green Bay, I mean, ain't really much really to say here. We already know 
what the number one story of the offseason is going to be. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do? Because now he came back. He got everything he wanted. He got a he got a he got a contract restructure where he can opt out if he's not happy with the direction of the team. He got Randall Cobb back. So now Aaron Rodgers get everything he wanted, but yet now he's on the couch. So what are they gonna what are the Packers gonna do? I mean I mean, is there anything Matt LaFleur and the the rest of the Packer Packer organization can say to convince Aaron Rodgers to come back? Because I think they even know now that Jordan Love is not ready. I mean, he has shown in the in all in the appearance he has come in that he's a quarterback he was in college. Not very good. But they better be able to come up with whatever they can to convince Rodgers to stay. Because if Rodgers is gone, Devontae Adams is gone too. Yeah, can franchise tag him all he want. I don't think he's going to sign. He's going to find a way to get out of there too. Because he knows Aaron Rodgers is not there. His numbers are going to drop. I mean, and he's going to get a, have a hard time getting paid. So, we all... We all know what's gonna ha- what the story is gonna be here, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, for Tampa Bay, the same thing applies. The big story is gonna be: Will Tom Brady come back in 2022? There's been a story out there that he's been non-committal, and he's been assessing what to do after this season now Brady hasn't lost a step I mean even at age 44 I mean he led the um, NFL in yardage and completions and I think even touchdown passes too so Brady still has it now the question is does he want to continue because we all know if Brady's gone Gronk's going to retire as well. Because Gronk only came back because Brady convinced him to. And he's he's not going to play for any other quarterback. You don't believe it? After Brady... After Brady, um... Left, he, he, wasn't on the, he, was on, he wasn't on the Pats team. The Pats even tried to trade Gronk. Gronk told this story a couple of years ago. And he said... Y'all can't trade me. I'm retired. So then they have a they have salary cap issues because everybody took less to try to come back and try to party like it was 2021. Now they don't know how many people they can bring back. I mean, Chris Godwin, who tore his ACL, he's gonna be a free agent. So if Brady's not there, you think he's gonna stick around? All I can say for the Bucs is it'll be interesting going forward. And of course, not to mention the fact that they could be losing Byron Leftwich, who was reported got a second interview with Jacksonville. And who knows, Todd Bowles might even get a head coaching job. 
I'm gonna be in, it'll be interesting to see what Tampa Bay does going forward. Now, with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, all I can say for Buffalo is, you know, sometimes you got to lose to a team twice before you get over the hump. I mean, this team is well put together on both sides of the ball. But I will say this, and I'm going to keep hammering this point until it happens. They have to get a steady running game outside of Josh Allen. Sooner or later, these hits are going to start piling up. And he's going and he's going to be taking up too much of a beating where sooner or later he's going to get hurt and he's going to miss games. Again, he's a big guy, but all that punishment is going to take its toll in due time. So, for the Buffalo Bills, they have to get a steady running game, consistent. Because just remember, my Niners in the 90s lost to the Dallas Cowboys twice before getting over the hump. And maybe the Buffalo Bills in 2022 will have that same um, fortune. Losing to the Chiefs twice last, last year and this year and then maybe in 2022 they'll find a way to get over the hump. But either way they're going to dominate the AFC East for quite some time so I believe until New England maybe Miami and maybe the Jets get it together this is Josh Allen's division like it was Tom Brady's so now that will end the NFL segment I hope everybody enjoys it now let's close with UFC 270 Nogano versus Gone. Now, Francis Nogano won this match by unanimous decision over Cyril Gone. Now, this wasn't a fight that I thought it would be, but it was a decent fight. I mean, Cyril Gone had his moments. I mean, you can, like I said before, he's basically like a, a taller, bigger Anderson Silver. I mean, I mean, he got, he got a share of kicks, strikes in there. But this turn, when Nongano showed his growth as a UFC fighter, he used the ground game to win this match. I mean, he got about at least, I think, three or four takedowns, if I remember, including one good-looking reverse body slam. I mean... Nongano used a ground game, controlled um, Gon throughout most of this match. So for, for Gon going forward, he needs to develop a better ground game. Guy's a good striker and everything like that, but I mean, if you don't have no good takedown defense, I mean, this is the result. You're going to lose to guys like Francis Nogano. Now for, N- for Nogano, who knows what's going to happen going forward? Will it be another another UFC fight for him? Or will he pursue his other passion, the thing he wanted to do before he became a UFC fighter, a boxer? 
Now, I've been reading reports that there's some back and forth between him and Dana White over whether he wants to pursue a boxing career or not. But I got there's a way to solve that, Dana, if you're listening. John Jones wants to fight Nagano for the heavyweight title. You know you want to see that fight. I know us, the fans, want to see that fight. We want to see John Jones, how he would do as a heavyweight. You know that's dollar signs. So I'll say this before, like I said on Friday's episode, Dana White, make the fight happen. Give us Francis Nogato and John Jones especially if you want to keep Francis Nogano in the UFC because right now he's looking at other options including a big payday in the fight game boxing that is so as for, for, for again going, getting back to Ciro gone for this guy has a bright future I mean if Nogano um, leaves um, the heavyweight division and there's no John Jones. I think this guy has has a chance to become the next heavyweight champion and even dominate for some time. Almost similar to Anderson Silva during his time as a middleweight. So, I mean, yeah, he, he suffered his first loss as a UFC fighter, but I think he'll be back. And I think he'll be stronger than ever. And I believe he'll be a future champion going forward and now this will conclude episode 113 of sports takes galore i'm your homo host gabe thank you again for listening thank you again for downloading i appreciate it you can follow this podcast you can tune into spotify go to apple podcasts google podcasts anchor or wherever you get your podcasts from and follow me on, on twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Color with Gabe. I'd like to thank you again for listening. Thank you again for downloading. Have a wonderful evening, and I will talk to you again on Friday, where we will have where I will have NFL Championship Sunday analysis, takes, and predictions on who I believe will go to the Super Bowl. So, good night, and I'll talk to you again Friday. Bye bye.